Hello and welcome to Local Legends. I'm Chi, outdoor fitness coach, and I am your host. Local Legends is a conversation with passionate cyclists in Southern California, sharing their stories of pushing through, taking a chance on themselves, and learning and growing to fuel their love for riding. Enjoy my next Local Legend. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 with Dave Malwitz of Gravelstoke. Um, I hate to use Stoke too many times in this intro, but I am stoked to have um, Dave on and to bring Gravel Stoke on the podcast. He is a local San Diegan um, here in Encinitas, Carlsbad area. And I really had a, a great, um, I really enjoyed my conversation talking to him about how Gravel Stoke came to be. Um, I know for me that group rides are really, really impactful in general. Um, you get to meet new people, um, you get to meet new trails, and you get to learn new skills or your riding elevates in an impactful way. You ride faster, you ride more consistent, um, and you learn to ride lines, right? You get to follow similar riders or you get to go down certain trails in a different way and you get better and there's new opportunities arises and you have fun. I know a lot of times people climb or they're doing something that's hard and it's hard, but when you're doing it with people that are with you and friends, um, even though they may seem like strangers at first, it makes it really, really fun. So um, group rides are really, really important to the community in general. And Gravelstoke has done a really, really good job bringing people in and making you feel welcome. Um, For me personally, I just wanted to kind of um, share some insights or some of my experience. I've had some several group rides that have been impactful. I I rode with the Wednesday night group um, in Penasquitos, maybe five, five plus years. I met my husband through that. I met some of my closest friends, um, my close girlfriend, Laura Minnick, through a group ride. And I got to learn lots and lots of great trail systems. It's elevated my own personal riding through riding through group rides. So bringing it back to Gravelstoke, their rides precede them truly. They have equal parts fun, equal parts hard and equal parts adventure. You'll be at places where you don't even know, like you know you're in San Diego, but you don't know where you're at. You are having a great time. It's hard, it's fun, and um, everybody's there with you. So I'm really, really excited to have Dave on. This conversation is really um, a very spirited conversation where I was able to slow down a little bit and have Dave share with me more of his insight to adventure into Gravelstoke and um, the culture of, of writing. So enjoy this conversation with Dave and about Gravelstoke. My next level legend, Dave from Gravelstoke. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Gee, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, congrats on 
you know, your third year of doing the podcast seems to be doing really well. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's people like you and what you do that make this a really, truly enjoyable part of of the experience for myself and for everybody. Um, I'm really happy to have you here. I want to know about Gravelstoke and what they are, who they are, what it's about. But I want to know more about you first. Okay. And your writing. Where did your writing come from when you start? Like if we go past like when I was a kid having yeah. having like really bad huffy bikes, like <laughs> my I'd say my first my first bike was a mountain bike. Um I got when I was in college. I think it was like 90, it was like a 1998 specialized rock hopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of funny because they you know, a lot of the jokes around gravel are well, it's just like a 90s mountain bike. So it's kind of funny that my first bike was like this rigid 26-inch hardtail um or a fully rigid mountain bike. Uh, so that was my first first bike. And I just I loved everything about like just the bike and kind of the aesthetics of it, the, you know, the build, the colors, everything about it. I just, I was really into. And then obviously like the, just the riding experience itself. Um, yeah, was, was just great. I think growing up, I had more of a skiing background. I grew up in Connecticut mm. and, um, my, we were fortunate to have a second home in Vermont that we shared with another um, family. Cool. And so I grew up skiing a lot at Mount Snow. And so I think that was kind of my, my childhood, you know, was a lot of it was about just being outside um, and skiing. And, you know, I remember my brother and I like studying trail maps and uh, like kind of planning our like route for the day. Like we wanted to hit all these trails. Um, so I think some of that in me like translated very easily to to the bike, um, you know, just riding like up and down local hills is sort of like going up and down a mountain um, on a lift with skis. Yeah. So wow. So when you got the bike, what did you <laughs> did you kind of do the same thing like you did with the skis? You just started mapping stuff out, or did you use it more for getting to and from school? Yeah. I mean, the first few years I was in school, so, you know, we'd kick around campus, riding around, um, but occasionally would kind of explore local trails. Um, and then I was in grad school and the, that bike got stolen. So I didn't have a bike, another mountain bike for, I don't know, a few, a few years. My wife was like, hey, you should really get a bike. We were in upstate New York at that point around like 2000. 2005 probably mm-hmm. so I got another rock hopper with a front suspension um and that's when I really started kind of enjoying like um uh, you know finding routes you know riding the whole route um piecing together like different parts of routes um, and just exploring a bit more in the different kind of trail areas that we had and um, is this here now in San Diego or is this still a bit? No, this was in, um, so we lived in a couple different counties there, um, Orange County and then okay. Dutchess County. So it's like an hour, hour and a half outside of New York City, up up the Hudson, Hudson River. Okay. Um, so yeah, really good, 
mountain biking um, in that area. And I didn't, I didn't have a road bike until I moved out to California, which was in uh, 2010. Okay. And why did you get a road bike? So I think the motivation there was just to have like a commuter. Mm. Um, I didn't live far from work. Um, was working at Amgen and um, it's just, I mean, the weather was great. It made a whole lot of sense just to be commuting. And so one of my buddies I worked with, he was getting a new road bike and he's like, oh, you can, oh. you can, he sold it to me. It was like a Trek. It was like a 1994 Trek 700 or something like that. Um, so kind of an old, older aluminum uh, road bike with down tube shifters okay uh, so i mainly just got it to to commute uh, but then i discovered the santa monica mountains oh. and um, i don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. ridden some of those roads but um i mean i think you know, I haven't done a whole lot of riding in Europe, but like it's, I think it's definitely one of the top destinations for road cycling. Um, and so many, you know, pro athletes, um, you know, people just going on cycling vacations, I think will visit Santa Monica, uh, the mountains there. Um, so that was basically right adjacent to Caneo Valley where, where we were living. Okay. So, um, there were, they, you know, there were some challenges and and different rides like the Nasco ride uh, that would, you know, hit a variety of those hill climbs. Um, and so sometimes I would, I would get up at like four thirty in the morning and just because I wanted to kind of see if I could like ride all these all these hills um, like Decker Canyon and Potrero, Latigo, Mahond. Uh, it was a lot of just great climbs and. Yeah, just feel, felt great, like, just experiencing each one. And I wasn't, like, going for, you know, record times or anything. It was just the just the idea of, like, exploring all of these places that, like, I knew were out there. And so because they were there, I wanted to go experience them. And, and this is, like, before um, Strava. This is before... So Strava was actually very early on at the time because it was just an amazing like application um just to be meeting people and mm -hmm. to be like learning where else you well, can so you ride were able to utilize strava that early on to yeah, connect yeah. connect to people right so did you um do you still ride up there or meet or connect with friends or it was just like a, a part of your history that's like okay kind of paints the picture and then you moved on to san diego or uh, yeah, there's a, like, I think through Strava, I've connected with a few of the friends up there. Um, one guy, like I've gone back up there and stayed with him to, uh, when I did the Nosco ride a couple of years ago. And then he like, he'll come down and visit and we'll do a ride when he comes down, but he's really into like mountain biking. So we'll we usually mountain bike when he comes down. Cool. What's this Nosco ride? Uh, yeah, the Nosco ride is, um, it's, yeah, you'll have to forgive me, but I, I believe it's put on by a guy named Jack Nosco. His brother, uh, passed away and this was a memorial ride. Oh, 
okay. uh, in memory of his, his brother. It's a free um, road ride um, that starts in Newbury Park mm -hmm. and it hits uh, Deer Creek, Mulholland and Latigo, I believe. It's like, I think it's around 90 miles. So it's a, it's a really big road uh, event, mm -hmm. but it's um, basically donation-based. They encourage, cool. encourage a donation um, to ride it, but it's a great event. Cool. Okay, so you you did you did a lot of skiing, and within the skiing, you organically found like adventure, and let's go see what we can explore. Or, you know, make these maps. You get a, a road bike, and you're kind of kind of definitely kind of sets the stage for that. And obviously, the mountain bike. You mentioned how much just the geometry and the style of the bike was super cool, and what you could do. So. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. Let's go keep talking about your riding. I, it's, I didn't know all this fun stuff about you living up there. And I went to school up in LA college. So I did ride some of that stuff. So I, okay. I can understand what you mean. It's long, long roads. Um, so when did the dirt tire get on the road tire? <laughs> when did, the road I, bike. <laughs> did it happen like that? Did, did you get like, did you? Yeah. Where did that go? Where did your riding go after LA or how did it evolve? So we were only there for like two years okay. and then moved to San Diego 2012. And um, so I still had the trek um, and was using it for commuting. And I was really just, I had a, I had some mountain bike. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> it was probably, it was probably still, it was probably another rock hopper. That's an, that's another story um but yeah the uh so I was basically I was just uh you know I was focused very much on my on my job because I just started a new job that was very intense um so when I had the time I was exploring with the mountain bike um mm. in La Costa uh Penasquitos mm. um different areas and then the um arch ride I did one year I it and that was really cool because uh, that ride goes basically from where we live here in um, Carlsbad area and then it connects all the way down to PQ uh, down in San Diego um, I think it's like a 50 mile ride right and so that was really cool to see the linking of all of this terrain and these trails uh opened my eyes to like how much riding um, on dirt there is here um so then i would kind of continue to explore you know these areas over the years and but i was still commuting with uh, the road bike mm. so i think it would it was kind of coming to a point where i wanted to get another road bike mm. to replace this old trek um you know it had just old technology it was it was fun it was great and all but i kind of wanted something with bigger tires uh maybe more modern shifting but i was very, i was just kind of frustrated with the options that were that were out there i think this was probably around 2015 2016 uh, so I was mainly looking at cross bikes mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. at the time, but 
I wasn't crazy about the kind of the geometry is much more kind of a race uh, focused geometry. And um, yeah, I think the tire size was sufficient. Also like just the rim brakes, I didn't want um, those cantilever brakes, I believe. I wanted, um, you know, the disc brakes. And those were really actually just starting to come to uh, not even road bikes yet, but really like the cross the cross bikes. Um, so I ended up going with a specialized Diverge. Um, yeah. They had it back then. So yeah, specialized was, I think, a bit ahead of the curve on that one because, um, and they didn't, they didn't use, they didn't call it a gravel bike. You couldn't find that word really on their website. Um, it was, it was in the adventure category. Um, but I remember watching, I remember watching a due north video, which was, um, just some kind of creators, um, the Nord brothers had put out some content and specialized must've gotten behind them because they wanted them to use their bikes in this video. And it was filmed in Marin. Um, and part of the story was like the grasshopper series that was happening. Cause that has been going on for a number of years. And, and, uh, so the bike, it was a great video. The bike was, um, actually exactly what I was looking for uh, because I had the disc brakes. Um, it was alloy. I got a good deal at uh, Bike Bling at Escondido and uh, fit up to, I don't know, 38, 40, something mm -hmm. like that. I remember you, really you couldn't get anything bigger than like a 38 and that was very, very tight. So then then I had then I had a bike that I could actually um, do my commutes, but then I would incorporate things I had learned through mountain biking, basically. Um, this is where they there where it comes together. So yeah. you got the bike, so stoked. Mm -hmm. And did people tag along? They were like, "Hey, Dave, where are you going today?" And like, and they're like. <laughs> I know. I think it was kind of the opposite. I think people <laughs> were like didn't really understand it. Um, you know, like I would show up at, like I think it was a wolf pack ride, or oh. you know, and I've got this like adventure bike, and I've got SPD cleats, and like nobody's talking to me. They're like, okay, this guy's a joke. <laughs> so the whole vibe of like, I like the idea of like group riding and um, these clubs, but I did not like the culture. Uh, so I didn't really do much riding with, with people mm -hmm. um, on the road. It was mainly on the mountain bike um, mm -hmm. here in San Aleo, actually the TMPR and TNR on mm -hmm. Thursday. Like I was riding with, with those guys and especially the Thursday night group. I started riding with them. Um, those guys were just like amazing, so welcoming. Um, and I think showed me like what 
like a group can look like. And so that was very in inspiring for me to like see that culture that they created. Uh, and what if I could kind of bring that, you know, to something, something else that I created. So is this a natural lead in to Gravelstoke? Um, is that about the same time that Gravelstoke? Yeah, I think it was like in a year or two leading up to when I started uh, Gravelstoke in 2018. Okay, and you know, happy birthday! You guys are six years old. Um, so, was that how the idea started? That you were like, "I wish we could have this," just like what you said, you know, in the other community, or was it uh, a dream? I don't know. Like, how did this idea come to fruition? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, six years um, because I started the webs. I think I bought the domain on January first, twenty eighteen. Oh, um, so it was, it was kind of during that that holiday break that I had kind of had the idea huh. for Gravelstoke. Um, but leading up to it, actually, I really had no intention of of creating, um, yeah, creating like a website or even a community or doing rides or anything like that. I actually wanted to make. Um, some like interesting apparel pieces like specific for gravel okay but i knew nothing about like making anything <laughs> so you a, yeah. a designer <laughs> no like i i did a lot of initial kind of brainstorming um with my brother-in-law sims kelly who lived with us for a couple of years and so we were always like kind of throwing ideas around about this or that product we could we could create um and so one of the one of the concepts was like uh, a cycling cap that had kind of a different panel construction and so we were kind of working on that at the time and then i thought well how am i going to market this like how am i going to sell this and so i had the idea of like oh, let me i should create a website and I mean, it, looking back, I mean, this is just a terrible idea, <laughs> but create, I'll, I'll start this website and um, it'll be like this blog for gravel gear and then it'll have some audience. And then eventually when the product's ready, we can, we can feature it on there and that will, mm -hmm. you know, sell some, Thanks. sell some caps. But uh, I, I guess I didn't realize like, how much work <laughs> it is to like, you know, run a blog. So um, the the idea for Gravelstoke is actually just like, hey, like this is a great idea for a domain name. Mm -hmm. And so like, this will be the blog, gravelstoke.com. Um, but like, I wasn't going to use that as like kind of the brand of the apparel or anything else. It was yeah. just the website. Um, and then... So I had, you know, I had some friends who were, you know, into into riding gravel. Um, and so I started posting uh, rides on um, on the website and then, you know, set up social media, Instagram and Facebook and put them there. And I found that the events were and these rides we were doing were just incredible for bringing awareness to to gravel stoke mm. 
um, but also like we're incredible just for content mm -hmm. because, you know, we do a ride on Saturday or Sunday and I'd have all these photos that I could use for the social media mm -hmm. on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, also going very well. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where it just kind of evolved. You're like, Oh, there's, I want to do this. Doesn't really work out. But then you start doing this and you're like, well, that worked out. And so it just kind of totally. evolved. And um, what did you, you mentioned like the culture of the road and this is, I'm not judging anything. I'm just kind of how you feel as welcoming. And then you're like, I want it. And then these people made you feel welcome. Um, Culture is an interesting thing to try to create hmm. um, because it's very subtle. You can't just be like, everyone bring in your happy face and everybody, we're going to be happy together. It's it's very a, a subtle vibe. It, it, I, how do you, do you care about creating the culture? Like, or is that a big part of it? Do you want to make sure people are welcome or you just want to go on a fun ride or both? Um, no, yeah, I think the culture is really important, like what people experience, right? Because if they come and do a ride and they feel welcome and um, they feel like, you know, these are my people, mm -hmm. then then they're going to come back. I also think the culture attracts certain people or detracts other people. So, yeah, um, yeah it's and it. I found it becomes harder as as that kind of group grows because you know like this ride we did over the weekend um you know you know I love them but like we have some like really strong riders that will come to the rides and it's like I am definitely not one of those people <laughs> um and I often find myself taking a video or wanting to take some photos and then I'm dropped yeah and you know, everybody, everybody's off. And so then I, you know, it's like frustrating because, um, you know, it's not, it's not, they're not doing it on purpose or something, you know, but it's, it's, you know, it's important. I think that you set, you know, you set up some things up front clearly like, okay, well, guys, we're going to regroup. Um, so I found it much easier to kind of control the culture when it was small um because you know you could more easily make a point of meeting everybody meeting everyone that showed up for the ride get to know them mm -hmm. and then you're you know you're riding together waiting for each other mm -hmm. so i always thought that like the ideal number is around 7 for a group ride 7 7 people <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because if you think about it, like if you have 15, 20, um, at least around here, you know, if if you're from around here, or you ride around here, you understand like the, the rides we're doing are often piecing together different types of trails and roads and, and terrain where you're going to end up getting into single file. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some rocks, there's a river crossing. And so people are going to spread out pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you have like 20, 30 oh, people, yeah. that like it's basically impossible to keep mm -hmm. everybody together. Yeah. 
on Sunday, I think there was, I don't know, 30 or 40 that showed up, maybe 25 or so were in kind of this front group. And then I ended up with a group behind in about 10 people with about 10 people. So then the 10 of us, we basically stuck together yeah. the whole ride. Yeah. Uh, so that's typically how it shakes out. So I wanted to ask you about the photography. I know that was part of your culture or what you hope to foster. So, and you take great video. You have a good eye for, you know, capturing the quality of the ride or the rider. So where, did, where does that come from? Do you bring, do you just use, use your phone? Do you bring a camera? Like... Yeah, like initially it was all with the iPhone. Okay. And and so like, I think around that, around that time, things have changed quite a bit, but like you could get away with an iPhone and an Instagram and, and um, reach people, mm -hmm. like have great looking photos. So uh, yeah, I was using, was using an iPhone and I always liked kind of, yeah, taking, you know, doing my best to take a good, a good photo, but also like the whole collection would be like really showing like what the experience was actually like things, interesting things we saw, um, maybe interesting bikes or bags or um, kits or something that we experienced on the ride. So kind of bring the viewer into that experience a bit and, you know, hopefully they're like, you know, that looks sweet. I want to be a part of that or um, get inspired by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I uh, can really imagine how hard it is to take video or pictures and then try to catch up to the group. So um, there should be some kind of a, like a, not whiplash, but the opposite where you get stretched out some, you know, you get pulled back into the group. So, um, so tell me about how many six years you've been doing this how how has it evolved you said it, it, it wasn't intended to start out the way it did and now yeah. it is so because only on your website i saw a, a picture of the united states and all these dots and so yeah. i can only imagine those are the people that are on gravel stoke yeah um so initially like with the blog i was i was posting um just interesting products um maybe like a route we did mm -hmm. and then what ha what started happening which i really did not expect was brands were reaching out oh, really? and um saying hey can you like try this try this product um can you come uh, i remember canyon invited me uh that year to i believe that was when they were launching the the Canyon Grail, the, mm -hmm. the hover bar. Mm. So they brought me in under embargo. And um, so I was like, you know, with these guys that had been, you know, well-known editors um, like Spencer Pallison. Spencer Pallison, is that his name? Yeah, maybe it's, maybe that's somebody else. But anyway, um, you know, well-known publications and you know me from Gravelstoke, uh, so that was like totally new and cool experience for me. 
um, or just working with. What did they want you to do? They wanted you to test it or talk about it? Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes they kind of want the knowledge of the, of the gravel. Oh. So like help them come up with a route or something for the media. But I think they are also interested in, in having the, the experience kind of shown on the gravel stoke channels. So, mm. you know, sharing, sharing the social media on social media, what the experience was like, um, and then posting, you know, like a article on the website about the about the bike and about the experience. So that's definitely that's something I've been able to do a few times, and it's like I really really enjoy that experience. Hmm. Um, I think part of it is like the the excitement of like being able to be a part of a launch because mm -hmm. there's like a specific date where you know there's a you know a bike or something that will be announced um so you know you have this amount specific amount of time and that's that's helpful for me because i kind of uh like to work, on time work under pressure yeah. so you know you put everything together and publish um, once the embargo lifts that's cool. So, okay. So when I asked you about what's evolved, that was something that you didn't expect brands reaching out to you. And yeah. that's, that's fun. The expert of gravel. I mean, they just go to gravel and they find you. What about the people that, so obviously your friends are part of your group, but like, how did you reach out? What does that reach look like? And yeah. how has that grown? So I think that like with through the rides, like the community was like kind of naturally happening mm -hmm. um, because they would, you know, they'd come, come every weekend to do the ride or so. And then uh, also early on, we made a run of kits mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody in that kind of initial group, um, you know, got the kit. So and then you have now you have like this group with these kits right so that it's kind of an identity i think for people um they're a part of something and so that's i think probably the kits were uh, a vehicle to like bring people together mm -hmm. um yeah so that that was and that's something we, you know, we'll do every year. So every year that kind of, it was kind of natural to like, okay, let's try to grow this, this group and this community. Um, you know, they buy the kit, you know, and they're, you know, they kind of feel like they're a part of it. Um, yeah. So then I, I also, yeah. About the kit fast. yeah, sure. They're pretty cool. They're cool kits. They stand out. Um, their colors and their design. Is that something that you do, or is that something you get help with? Yeah. So my my brother-in-law okay. helps quite a bit with that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, like the initial logo, which I don't have here, but um, it's kind of like this angled mm -hmm. chevron thing. So that I actually built that in PowerPoint, oh. the first version of it. And it was just like these three shapes, identical shapes overlapping. Oh, cool. And it was meant to just signify the road and mountain 
and the intersection, right, of that. And and uh, Sim saw that and he's like, oh, you know, like you can't do that. <laughs> um, so like, I didn't know, but Why? Um, well, I mean, it's fine that I did it, but he was thinking more from like a print oh. perspective. Oh, okay. Um, if you want to apply that, you know, to different, different things, you kind of want a um, one color, mm -hmm. I guess, or two color. Um, so, you know, like, lo you know, if you think of just famous logos, like they can be black or white or uh, a color or whatever. So having three colors was not advantageous, apparently, to, to be using for a branding. So he took it and kind of broke it down and uh, came up with the final logo in, in CAD. So he's, yeah, anyway, he's helped quite a bit. Um, other other ideas I'll have, like the there's a diamond logo with that says Gravel Stoke. Um, it kind of feels like an kind of adventure vibe. Um, so kind of I would draw kind of the, the basic lines and then he would help by like kind of finishing it. Um, nice. In... Uh, in kind of a design yeah software so but over the years i've, I've started using uh, affinity designer which is um like there's an adobe equivalent mm -hmm. that is a lot more famous but um uh, so i've kind of gotten to know to use the design software a bit more so i'll use that to do like some of the kit designs mm -hmm. before i hand it off to um the apparel company so now yeah. in your sixth year, are you making your new kit now? Yeah, yeah, we're we're working on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so my buddy Danny Geary is helping. Uh, he kind of helps with some of the colors now and uh, the design. So we'll shoot things back and forth. Yeah, and then it's kind of coming up with a concept. And yeah, I usually kind of start with some type of color ideas and then the layout but I try to keep things like pretty simple mm -hmm. because if if you do too much then it starts to go bad mm -hmm. yeah sorry I interrupted you you were talking about that how you've been growing and you mentioned how the kits is one way that you're you created you still haven't said clubs so I still don't yeah. know what it, if it's a it's not a team or community um this one way to bring everybody together um how how else do you bring people in or bring people in or outreach and give back or sh share the love with them so i did start a team okay well i mean it was it was basically called the it's called the development team okay yeah which was was kind of making fun of like um the road culture because they have these dev devo teams um and they're kind of these young yeah you know young uh, guys coming up or girls uh, so I, I just kind of borrowed that um, but then it's, it was dev team for short so that was basically an open an open invitation so I thought uh, maybe if if you know we if we call it a team um, you know then it can be a little bit more of something that people are a part of so I did that for for five years, and we had 
you know, like 300 members across oh. the U.S., a couple in Canada. Wow. So, wow. yeah, it grew into, a, you know, pretty nice, a nice thing. Uh, but I decided to pause that actually for this year um, just to kind of take a step back from from running that running this team because um, it was like I couldn't do everything. Right. Um, so I kind of wanted to step back, go back to kind of some of the, some of the basics, um, kind of revisit like this year, what do I, you know, really enjoy doing, um, and have, you know, strengths in and, and the time for and dedicate more to that. So, um, but I guess, yeah, a lot of, some people just kind of consider it a club, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't really have much experience with teams or clubs. Um, you do now. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, but I mean, I kind of like just kind of having ideas. Um, I'm, you know, I'm an idea person. So if, you know, I think of things like, well, what would I want to be a part of? And then try to try to create that. So it doesn't really matter to me, like what um, other clubs or teams are doing, even though, you know, it is kind of hard to, it can be kind of hard to like forge your own path because there, I felt like there are pressures, maybe it's just in my head, but like to kind of follow like this path, like, no, you do a club and, um, you know, you put on events and, and so whenever I've kind of done things that have been more the norm for the industry I find like I'm not as happy Mm -hmm. doing that even though I thought like that's what you're supposed to do so it's yeah been interesting to kind of you know explore different things and um but I always like coming back to just seeing what ideas I have and um yeah going with going with something I think is interesting and fun yeah it's very good introspection to know to be able to pull apart how you feel and what you've done your decisions I can completely understand that feeling of like well everybody does it this way and that you but sometimes it's good to just start over and go well what do what do I want so you said you have ideas and strengths and a new year so what areas do you want to focus on or is that to be told later something (laughs) done Um, yeah, one thing, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a, there's a bike launch coming up. Um, so I'll participate in, in, uh, it's kind of a media event. So I'm helping, um, friend with some routes and, uh, covering the, covering that. And then, um, yeah, I have worked on a, a, I can, I guess talk about here. I haven't announced it yet, but, um, it's, Yeah, I really wanted to do something um, after the Maui fires. Mm. I had been there a couple of years ago with my daughter um, to Lahaina and we visited. And so, you know, that was just a terrible thing that happened over there. And they're still, you know, dealing with the recovery. So uh, Sims and I had this idea couple years back to do like um, what we call the send it campaign so it's um, all the proceeds would go to to um, whatever cause um, 
that we've picked in the past, but we wanted to do something for uh, Lahaina. So uh, we use this, the Send It logo and have um, Hawaii Wildfire Relief also on the uh, on the logo on the it's a t-shirt um, but we used a like this um, very functional t-shirt blank so it's actually like great for writing into oh so, you mean like the material Should yeah be, yeah okay yep yeah so Danny actually helped Danny Geary uh, he's been in the apparel industry at uh, like Volcom and, and Rourke. So he's, you know, he's got a really good handle on like what's available in terms of materials. So he, he pointed out this uh, blank and then, so I had, I had a bunch of those and I wasn't sure what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a great, uh, great way to use, oh. use those blanks and hopefully yeah, raise some money for. That's great. Mahina. Yeah. And this is this year sometime or in the spring? Yeah, I think um, I think we'll do that sometime this month. Wow. Um, yeah, so hopefully by the time this is you air yeah. this. I don't that's know. cool. That's good timing. Yeah. Huh. That's a great idea. And your daughter's a part of it? And you said that you went with her. I wasn't sure if she was part of this idea as well. No, she wasn't uh, <laughs> part of creating this piece of it, but it's just a good memory I have of... Um, going to Maui with her. That's great. Um, and then what about your events? Do you still plan to host those? Are, and is a Dirt Church's Gravel Stokes event, correct? Yeah, so... Or should I not? We can... No, no, that's fine. I mean, um, yeah, Dirt Church was actually an idea that I had with um, Tim Trevino, who runs uh-huh. Lost Cyclery, when he, he was working at the Cardiff Confessional. Okay. And it was the idea was like a fall gravel series. Oh. So we did, I think we just did, we just do rides like in the fall. Okay. And it was called Dirt Church. And it kind of made sense more maybe back then because we would end at the confessional. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where that name came from. But every Every fall, we've kind of done a similar um, series and uh, called it Dirt okay. Church. So, okay. but some people do get confused. They think all our rides are Dirt Church rides. Um, but usually, um, yeah, I don't really like doing the same thing. Like one of the like we talked about the pressures, right? Like some of our guys are like, "Oh, we need to have a ride every weekend." Um, <laughs> And it's like, I get it, but yeah, I think that gets, to me, it doesn't stay interesting that long. It's um, people just kind of expect it and maybe it's not as special. Mm-hmm. Um, so I prefer to just kind of have ideas for like different, different rides and we'll do them, you know, we'll post them uh, on the website or Strava mm-hmm. and um people just kind of come out so the other the other event we've done is the great western reroute Mm -hmm. and that's typically in the spring Mm -hmm. and that's a one-day ride out in east county for seven people to sign up (laughs) for seven (laughs) 
the first year yeah it was it was seven of us oh really yeah perfect number it was perfect so I've never done the reroute. Um, yeah. I think I just heard about it. Well, I've heard about it. So in case people don't know, you mentioned kind of where it is. Explain this route and why it's, it, I don't know if it's notorious yeah. or just well-known. Um, yeah, it's, it's in some ways it's kind of uh, maybe not well-known and that's the idea, but it, it actually just started as my birthday ride. I asked oh. um, my friend Roman DeSalvo to design a route um, somewhere in East County because mm. um, the, the riding out there is really special. And so I love going out there and it was just a great excuse to to go ride with Roman and explore some of that, that area. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so good that I knew like, oh, we have to do this every year. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's actually never been the same route. Oh. It's always been um, different. Roman moved to Reno area, I think last year or two years ago. And so Adam Cook, who lives in La Mesa and um, has been a part of our part of our crew for a few years. Um, he actually joined because he wanted to do the the Great Western reroute. And now he's helping, like he helps every year with the route. Cause I just I'd rather have somebody kind of local out there that really understands the area. Um yeah, because there is there's a lot of private land. So, you know, if, if we have a group of like 50 people, you know, you really need to be careful exactly where where you're riding um make sure it's all above board yeah that's cool i didn't know that yeah that's your birthday ride so there is something that that you that's unique i had two questions what about like what kind of riding do you now but i'll hold that one next for for another time um you mentioned your friend that lives down adam lives in la mesa right is that part of the idea is that people that are around the country could host potentially a ride? Like you guys would be all over the place or is it always, it's like people, when they come here, they get to like, why would, okay, so this, let me ask you this way. Why would somebody in Canada join Gravelstoke? Yeah. So there was, um, there was a few things that I, put together as part of the team experience so everybody gets everybody would get um some gear some Mm -hmm. gravel stick branded gear um we were doing zoom calls every month um so we had on like wow um, yeah so we had on some special guests like jess sarah Mm -hmm. ted king ian boswell um so that that was really cool i think for people to experience that um and then you know we had a slack channel so like uh, a lot of people are on there and just kind of engaging with mm-hmm. like-minded people. Uh, so, and then they would get additional discounts on kits. Cool. So there you go. It, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure why people would join either. But... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I asked the question. I didn't mean it to come off rude. Yeah. But I was just curious if, like, when they come or they come down, they get to ride together, um, or there's a community where people can reach out to each other and like, hey, you're Gravelstoke, 
Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in your area. I didn't, I didn't know if that's how it, it works. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to kind of start to see that happening. Um, in like Northern California, there was like four or five guys and, you know, they would, they would kind of be doing events together. So it was really cool. Like not to be there, but to see, yeah. you know, them, uh, representing and having a great time together and just being being pumped to ride with gravel stuff yeah, yeah. that's cool <laughs> okay okay so the riding you do now um you mentioned mountain biking that you had a bike I don't know if you want to talk about that story so there's a story behind that that mountain bike um but do you do you mountain bike anymore do you bike pack do you you know yeah or does did you there you found the gravel bike and you're like, yep, this is, this is the bike for me. Um, so I definitely still mountain bike. Okay. I, yeah. Right now I have a Richie ultra hardtail. Okay. Um, so I always wanted to have like a steel bike. Um, so that was like, I was like, I need to, I need to get, I needed to get a new mountain bike. And so that's why I got that. And I can't, you know, my history was hardtails. So I had ridden, um, some full suspension bikes for a few years, but like, I wanted to go back to mm -hmm. kind of the hardtail experience. Um, so that's been really fun. And I, yeah, I really enjoy mountain biking still, and it's actually a great tool for exploring mm -hmm. areas that, um, I'm not as familiar with Yeah, because if you, you kind of like, it's really difficult looking at maps, um, you know, and Google earth and the different tools that are out there, it's difficult to know what you're going to come across if you plan a gravel route. So the mountain bike is a nice tool to, to kind of get a better idea of, oh, this terrain, this mm -hmm. trail would be great. This one, not so much. Mm -hmm. uh, Got it. So you still mountain bike. What about like bike packing and um, that kind of adventure? I imagine that seems to be something that you probably do. Not uh, I've only, yeah, I've only done a handful of overnighters. So yeah, last year we did, last two years actually, we've We've gone to Catalina, done an overnighter there. That's um, That's great. I am, yeah, I'm not, I haven't done multi-day. Like part of it is I'm just not great at the planning. And I think you have to be really good at planning, but also really enjoy that aspect. Um, so like the overnight is like, I can handle that. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's just like an additional element of of something I think to 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 really go for those multi-day trips, but I need to do it at some point just to kind of get that experience. Um I also don't love like the the bike feel with with it loaded wow. up. Um that always kind of just kind of kills the ride for me. Mm -hmm. so I've heard other people talk about that but I don't know I think there's other aspects of the experience that maybe I'd grow to appreciate more if I if I tried it more yeah I can yeah that's good good stuff I know that Catalina is a, a great place to kind of 
do it because it's somewhat supported. You have resources available and the scenery is beautiful. It's, it's a great place to, to bike pack. Um, all right, so we have a beautiful bike here in front of us. So tell me about, well, let's go we'll film it, film it. So if you're listening to this, we're gonna, you can, I'm gonna clip this and put it on uh, YouTube. Should we go somewhere outside? Yeah, we'll find a good place. Let's go to the bike and, and talk about all the good stuff. Yeah, so this is the open wide. Okay. Uh, so that's their their gravel bike. So I, yeah, they had the they also had the open up, which I know was really popular. And then they came out with with this this model. And what really drew me to this one was the tire clearance. So uh, in the back, it's kind of unique. It has a double dropped chainstay. Um, so that allows for uh, tires up to uh, yeah, 650 by 2.4 inch uh, or uh, 700. This is a 700 by 45. I think I could go a little bit bigger, but um, I think it fits maybe up to like a 48. But I really prefer 650. Uh, okay. Most of the time, but this is some uh, test wheels that I'm reviewing. Oh yeah, you got Spinergy wheels. Yeah. So these are the Spinergy. What is it? GXX. They're gravel carbon wheels. Mm -hmm. uh, I have on here with some Pathfinder 700 by 42s. Uh, so we have a mullet, mullet drivetrain. Uh, so yeah, it's it's great gearing for uh, all kinds of off-road adventures. For it's basically yeah, a mountain bike rear cassette goes uh, I think ten to fifty, and then a forty-two front chain front yeah. chain ring. So yeah. that's that's been good for climbing like loose steep stuff. Yeah, um, you mentioned the tires. Did you not? Yep. And um, and then what about the rest of the like little bags and all the good stuff that you have on here? Uh, yeah. So we've got an Envy stem and handlebars. They're gravel handlebars that have a nice wide flare. Uh, tram, force axis, shifters, and XX1 rear derailleur. Uh, the yeah, maybe the seat post is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a ask uh, about that. It's a it's a suspension seat post by a company called Redshift, so it does have like a little bit of oh a little bit of give in there. Um, you don't really it's not it's not distracting, but it just kind of takes the edge off, and it's huh. a lot of the designs I, I don't really care for, but this they redid it, and it's a lot cleaner so it doesn't distract too much cool visually at least and then this is an aragon all road core gravel saddle mm -hmm. uh, the bag i really like like these bags they're uh, it's from outer shell which is based in the bay area mm -hmm. so they they make all their bags uh, at their shop in in the bay area so i really like that you know i'm supporting a 
that company that where they make things here in the U.S. Nice. Got your light. Yep. And your Wahoo. Yeah, I got a Wahoo Rome computer, which I love. It's really, really good for exploring the, uh, the maps mm. on their loading routes. Uh, makes it really easy to explore. And then, yeah, a Nog front light. Uh, also interesting about this bike is the fork is custom painted to match <laughs> the open frame. So this is like the Yeti turquoise that they inspired this color for open. And then I just love the color so much. I got a Envy Adventure fork uh, and then had it custom painted by Joe Bell in San Diego. Very cool. So it's one of a kind. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for doing that. What a pretty bike. Cool. So now that I've learned about you and your riding, um, Gobblestoke and where you've been the last six years, obviously this is a, a passion project, right? You don't, you're not making money. This, you have a full-time job. Right. Um, uh, how does this, all, how, how do I ask this question? It's kind of like a, a complicated question in that, you know, what are you proud of or what have you learned about? Like how things evolved? I'm not sure if the answer is really a clear one. It could be like a, a, a big thought, but looking back over the last six years or even when you first got a road bike, like where you are now. and Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really, I think, grateful for the experience. Um, Someone texted me after the ride and he was like, he's like, I'm just like so thankful for what, what you do because like he saw it as like a big sacrifice that I was, you know, sharing all these rides with total strangers. <clears throat> um, and, and I was just, I was like, no, it's, it's great. Cause I never would have met all these people and connected uh, with, with so many cool brands mm -hmm. if I hadn't you know put myself out there and you know created these experiences for people and uh, you know had the opportunity to to create so for me it's yeah it is a it is like a passion project um, but it's it's also like really yeah it's really fulfilling and I I've learned so much like through the experience. Yeah, that's cool. Well, um, your reputation precedes you in your gravel stoke. Your rides are known for being diverse and um, finding trails. Like I didn't know this trail was here. And so I think that speaks to itself on, on what you do and, and what you provide for people. And um, you bring up really good riders. I mean, sometimes they're really fast, but you just bring out riders that, you know, you have to be able to hold your own when you go on your rides. They're, um, they're normally have a lot of hills, mm -hmm. right? You're not afraid of hills and you always um, do a great job regrouping and, and making people feel like they're wanted there as opposed to um, just leaving everybody in, in the dust. So um, thank you for what you do. Um this is the first time I've had somebody with a group um, 
on the podcast. And I think that groups are probably one of the most impactful ways that they can influence writers. I think it's important to recognize what your your time and effort. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think the community side is, you know, if you haven't experienced that, definitely, definitely put put yourself out there and do that. Um, because it definitely enhances the it enhances the whole ride experience if you're sharing that with other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Good. Well, good luck with um <clears throat> the project. I'm looking forward to um the send send offs, not send offs, send it. Come on, Gene. Like on mountain bike, send it. Um this I'll have this on the the notes so that people want to look more into it when, um, the way that it once it gets out there. Um I'll have information to um, support that and um, look forward to more rides with you. Great. Thanks, G. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back from this conversation with Dave. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I found it very, very inspiring and very insightful. I really appreciated Dave's um, thoughtfulness throughout the conversation and giving some really uh, mindful responses. Um, Before I forget, we had a lot of conversation about different things that came up. So I just wanted you to know if you are like, Chi, I want to know more. Yes. Okay. So the links for the send it will are in the description. Information about Gravel Stoke and the website are uh, as well in the description. Um, Instagram and the Strava Club. So if you want to do want to learn more about the rides, they're all in the description. Um, as well as the video for his bike and his bike setup. So that will be a link for YouTube that we will I will put up um, as well. So all of that will be linked up. So please know that. Um, something to note, and this is just more personally, and if you follow in, um, Outdoor Fitness Coach, or sorry, Local Legends, um, I tend to go fast. I sometimes trip over myself. My words are in front of me, and then I catch up to them. Um, I thought that was uh, really, I really enjoyed talking with Dave. He definitely pulled back the speed of my thoughts and well, as best I could. And it really was uh, appreciated his, his thoughtfulness um, in this conversation. Also something else. So if you're new to local, to, to local legends, you may not pick up on this, but if you come and you listen to a lot of these interviews, um, you'll start to find some parallels between things. And I don't mean this, I don't do this uh, intentionally. They kind of just kind of creep up. It reminds me of the game memory. It was a game that I used to seek out. I really, really enjoyed it. And it brought me a lot of, I don't want to say comfort, but it was very uh, relaxing to me. It wasn't stressful. And so when I listened to these interviews, I don't intentionally look out for them, but they send, they tend to like come up where I, I see hints of things repeating, whether it's a bike, whether it's um, a person, um, an energy or something. So um, somebody recently mentioned that they noticed a, a, something, a pattern coming up and I thought it was just me. So if you notice things come up, please feel free to share that with me. It's it's kind of would be fun to to know that you also notice things. I know a couple of things that came up with Dave Malwitz, and I won't. I'll let you guys tell me. 
um, that remind you of something, a previous episode. Uh, and that's kind of what happens with local legends. I list, I just let things kind of roam and I note words, I note people, I note places, I note bikes, and I try to find a theme. I try to, um, if I hear a name multiple times, I definitely will um, research that or a bike or whatever, a, a place. So anyway, I just wanted to bring you up to, I don't want to say up to speed, um, just letting you in on a little bit of insight so that you're also privy to it. So, and happy to share it with you as well. So if you notice a parallel or a theme or something come up with Dave that you are like, oh, gee, I, I noticed this with a previous person, please reach out. You can email me at chi at outdoorfitnesscoach.com. By no means is this a challenge or I want this to be super conscious. I just wanted to let you know something that I'm, um, I a little something about my little brain. So anyway, thank you for guys for listening. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did with Dave. <laughs>